everybody, and welcome to Spoiler Party. My name is Claire. I'm Micah. And I'm trying to remember how we do this thing, because it's been a minute. It has been a minute. Which, I, there really, you know the thing is, we don't have a thing. Well, yeah, as long as we have a schedule, this is very much just... Or an intro. This is an excuse to talk to each other. Yeah. Because we need one That sounded those. like one of the... Now we sound like those couples who, like... Uh, yeah, we, schedule, we scheduled a meeting together. I gave you a bead to remind you it's time. It is time for us to use the bead. The you have 24 hours <laughs> to put on Lord of the Rings. And then we continue with in-jokes to make it even more obvious that this podcast is not for you. Facts. Anyway, we bought a house. And Indeed. That took up a lot of time. A lot of time. Both and moving took up a lot of time. Yep. yep. And then unpacking has taking up a lot of time. It's been some time and we are still in the process of unpacking and uh making sure things have a proper home and while both working full-time during a pandemic and also both taking uh courses to continue our education facts it is um choices were made yeah choices were made (laughs) but it's all working out pretty well so here we are um, so I do have a fun fact for today. Okay, this fun okay. fact has been sitting open in a tab on my phone um, for some time mm. since uh, before the last episode we did. So it's been a minute. Makes sense. So this um, fun fact came about because um, someone somewhere on the internet, probably on Tumblr, um, posted something about how the trope of the butler did it in mystery novels actually predated a novel actually featuring a butler who did it huh. and i was like that is such a fun fact it's gonna be my fun fact it's a really fun fact huh? problem is it's not actually true dang um <laughs> so this is like a debunking a fun fact fun fact so it's a cool idea um it's kind of true to give it like it's due okay um okay. It, it, it turns into a trope without really being a thing first. Okay, okay. So it's, so less... There are isolated incidences of the butler doing it, so you can't really say that it happened before. before. Yeah. So like, um, so like in The Musgrave Ritual by Arthur Conan Doyle, that's 1893. Um, So he's not the main villain, so I feel like that one's kind of a stretch. Right. Um, but there is also the strange uh, case of Mr. Challoner from 1921. Um, so, but what what I do find interesting about it is that um, it sometimes gets thought of as the trope is that the butler did it because authors were looking to make the person who did it a more and more unlikely person and the butler was like the least likely person. It's actually kind of the opposite of that because there's that kind of like code of mystery writing that like during the golden age of mystery, all the authors were like really big on. Right. And actually it was basically considered that the butler was too easy of a suspect. Gotcha. Or anyone from the servant class. Right. So it's really like rampant classism. Mm. Because we would assume that the, that the help yeah. was the one. Because it's like that's who all the rich people automatically wanted to be if there's like a death in their circle. They're like, oh, one right. of the servants did it. Right. Um, so it's not actually some sort of thing like, oh, the butler is such a trusted member of our household. He couldn't possibly have done it. Right. It's kind of actually flipped on its head. Okay. So I'm not sure if that was the most coherent fun fact ever, but I did find all this. That's the end of the fun fact. Yeah. Yeah. Just. 
Sometimes you report a podcast and also make food at the same time. Yeah, that was a mess too. I definitely picked up every sound that chair made. So failing at the audio medium, it's me. I'm trying to juggle some baked goods in and out of the oven at the same time. It's all good. But now it's time to move on to talking about our book. So the book today is not anything we told you it was going to be or talked about before or even knew existed at the time of the last recording. Don't even remember if there was something we said we were going to talk about the last time. It definitely isn't. No, no, I, I know oh. this is it, but I'm saying last time did we say we were going to talk about something specific? Who knows? Who, who knows? I think there was something we said we were going to talk about, and then I just like kept pushing it off or something. Anyway, I don't remember. point is, we are talking about Persephone Station by yeah. Stina Light. This is a case of judging a book by its cover. But opposite. Yeah, so the cover is cool. We both independently saw the cover and were like, we're reading this book. Yep. And I was like, science fiction, that sounds neat. And um, after skimming a number of reviews, uh, we are not alone. No. In both our reaction to the cover and our reaction to the book itself. Facts, facts, facts. So, Um, all right, hold on. So let's 30,000 foot view real quick before I forget about everything that happened. So this is a science fiction book that takes place sometime in the future doesn't matter what doesn't matter is that this is a future in which everybody knows uh which earth culture hasn't progressed past uh what do you say like 1870 no 19 the 1960s because we did because you were right we did have the reference to uh the rumors of my death have been greatly exaggerated right so that's as far as earth culture has progressed except we're in space in the future yeah all of our cultural references um, but also very white, no matter if the characters are or not. And Correct. The characters I, I'm are not sure how many white characters are actually in this book. And yet, with as like culturally, as she is about pointing out whenever anyone's not white, I'm assuming that anyone that she doesn't explicitly say is not white is in fact white. I mean, that's fair. That's an absolutely fair. I was just saying it also could be one of the situations where like. Maybe she's trying to do something. I don't know. They're not even like giving the benefit of the doubt. This is a more legitimately just like a, you know. Because, you know, the problem is, is when I read books, I either assume that nobody is white or everybody is. Because I don't, either I don't trust the author or I just don't know how to read one of those two. And so it's one of those where it's like, but anyway, still, everybody has one cultural standpoint. But, so, let's talk about this book. Um, where... You mean this uh, published piece of Firefly fan fiction? Okay, so there's that. Um, Although, to be fair, Firefly is not the only piece of media that it's derivative of. That's the thing. So, it's the thing to me is like your point about it being Firefly fan fiction is correct. But also, like, see, because it didn't ring, like, Kaylee rung this Kaylee to me instantly. But it didn't as much read as Firefly fan fiction to me. But I guess it's because I thought. Well, at first, the setting is so generic. The, it, like, as much as I hate Firefly, <laughs> this fire, the setting of Firefly is actually very specific to what it, in what it's doing. It's a very, like, on-the-nose sort of thing. It is, like, a hard space western in that mm-hmm. whatever way. And, uh, like, the, cult, like the, the shitty cultural stuff it does with, like, everybody speaking Chinese but nobody in the show being Chinese is whatever. But, like... It is easy to point to on a map and be like, this is what Firefly is. But Persephone Station, there is no map to point to 
sort of the culture that it is built for itself, right? Like, well, because it hasn't built a culture for itself. It's a complete jumble that manages to blend into utter boredom. I mean, that's yeah, that's what it is. That's what it is. So it's like I, I'm being even more harsh about this book than I meant to be. Okay. Okay, hold on, hold on. Hold on. <laughs> you know, I think I think I started off on started off on the bad foot. That's on me. That's on me. Bad team player. We still haven't given even like a slight overview of what that book actually is. So it's a science fiction book about a lot of things because the book... That's the thing. How do you summarize it? It's trying to be too many things. So I'm not even trying to summarize it. It's because it's like... let's Okay, you know what we can do? We can play a fun game. Okay. We're going to go back and forth and we're just going to sort of list um, themes and those sort of topics this book is... Uh, addressing to it or whatever so I'm just like I'll start with my bugaboo uh, artificial intelligence uh-huh. um, uh, and is it people is so, it people so. um, space mercenaries um, classification of sentient life forms mob bosses space politics corporations are evil ninjas True facts. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, there's like I think there's more. There's a lot more. There's a lot more. You turn of, around like, and there's another freaking plot point. Right. Um and so like the extension of human lifespan. Right. Uh intercultural communication. Motherhood. Oh boy, indeed. <laughs> um gender politics. Oof. Sometimes people like, and this is this is another common thing that came up in some of the reviews I read is people are giving credit for trying. False. And I'm just like, well, sometimes true they are giving they are giving credit. People, yeah, and like I get where they're coming from and trying to come from a place of like whatever. Look, whatever. man, when you live in the world of looking for table scraps, this is what you get. Sometimes I don't think you need credit for trying. Sometimes I think you shouldn't try. Sometimes I think you should just back off until you actually know more. I agree. All right, so let's. Peel back one more second again. I know because this gets very a lot very fast. Um, I'm gonna think about something positive first, or whatever. So, because there's a lot of things in this book that actually are like super annoying, much like the fly that's in this room right now. Um, but on the positive, it does one thing I like. One thing, which is that it actually has a situation where. A non-human species um, communicates in an entirely different manner than humans communicate, mm-hmm. i.e. not with vocal cords, but through like smells and gestures and so forth. Um, and I just in general like when uh, sentient non-humans are not just humans, but with sins. Right. Right, like... Humans with fins are cool, but... Like, right, right, like, the Star Trek mode of Alien is all well and good for, like, Star Trek, but it's nice to get something else. It, it's, like, it's really cool when this show is made in 1960 with a budget of $17 for mm. the entire season, and you got... What did we got? Face paint and a little bit of glue. Right, So, right, like, right. you know... So, you had a book, you can be slightly more imaginative. So, that's a positive. All my positives come with caveats. And, like, the caveats end up kind of obliterating the positive. There's a prominent non-binary character. Yeah, and as a non-binary person, I hate the way the non-binary characters are represented in this book. There's 
human racial diversity. Okay. How do you feel about that? So let's stay into the positive list. So <laughs> another pet peeve of mine. You feel feel like it was portrayed well by Kim? So there's a thing where like, every, this is like a known trope in speculative fiction where um, whenever non-humans are introduced, uh, the person who is going to be the most against it is always going to be the black person in the group. Yep. And this book goes right there immediately. So there's one character who's from Nigeria um, and now she's in space living her life and then she meets the aliens and is like, she's like, as soon as she meets them, she puts her scarf further over her nose and backs off and is clearly discomfortable. Meanwhile, the uh, meanwhile the Kaylee analog just runs up and hides everybody because she's nice and bubbly and is a fun person, uh, showing that there's nothing to be afraid of and this person's being unreasonable. And then later on, when they learn that the aliens can do cool stuff, um, she is like, you lie to us about being able to do cool stuff in the most unreasonable fashion that makes no sense. Um, and it's just like, why is she act? And there's never, there's never a reason given for why she acts this way. I mean, the like sort of reason that's given is basically just that like there is a virus on Earth and she has it, and now she's like freaked out by everything, which doesn't really make sense because like she's already dying. So what exactly is she scared of? And she's flying through space all the time. And what does this have to do with the emissaries, which is the quote unquote alien life form? Right. Um. Yeah, it doesn't make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, but also it's like weird because like narratively speaking, she's definitely portrayed as being unreasonable about the emissaries. Right. But like if you peel back for a second, which we've already used that phrase like seventeen times so far in this episode. You love to peel things. Um like sweet potatoes. (laughs) Mangoes. And orange. Yeah. Uh it doesn't really make sense that all of these like hardened space mercenaries are like immediately trusting. Just, like, they get told a thing, and they're just like, cool, sounds great. Uh, we were under the impression for the past however long, lots of time, that the atmosphere of this planet is, like, incredibly uh, poisonous to us. Uh, but don't worry, you told us without any sort of, like, laid-out proof that actually... Not even the, a demonstration, not anything. Not even, no, like, a chart, nor no, a reading. Just no, no, you're just, just like, you're just like, it's good. And you're like, oh, I'm going to immediately pull off my environment suit and just go out completely unprotected. Like, what? Like, not right. only trusting that they're, um, like, well-intentioned, not only trusting that they mean what they're saying, but that they are familiar enough with human biology to be certain of it. Okay. Let's talk about the crew. <laughs> so, so we brought up Suki, our Nigerian friend, yep. who is skeptical of everybody else and is also dying. By the way, the only death in the book is Suki. Uh, of yep, note. Killed, I mean, lots of people die apparently, but only Suki is the one. Like we do have about. some uh, racial diversity, but she's the only one I think that's explicitly black, and she's the one that dies. Correct. So like, clearly didn't think this one all the way through, huh? She died. Her baby daddy also already dead. Yep. Um, Although he wasn't black. No, but the child is just left in the care of this person randomly. I don't know what that plot point was supposed to signify. Okay, skipping all to the all, all the way to the end, but okay, a couple things about that. One. The way that it, at no point throughout the rest of the book at all comes up, which goes mm-hmm. to show how terrible uh, Stina Light is at character building. Mm-hmm. Um, but suddenly, like near the end, our, I don't know, protagonist uh, Angel is like, oh man, I always kind of thought I wanted to have kids. And then immediately, like two pages later, is provided with her dying friend being like, I want you to be 
the guardian of my child. Just like, okay, magically now you have a child. Yeah. And then like, uh, and then her like stellar uh, parenting choice at the end is to just go grab this child out of the boarding school she's been at, snatch her away from everyone she knows. Because mm-hmm. she's been at this boarding school for a while while her mom's been off doing whatever. Right. So Angel, instead of coming in and doing the same thing her mom is doing, like visiting and providing support, and at least letting her get to know her before she yanks her away from everything. For and she has some financials backing after the job or whatever. So just like, immediately, she can continue to pay for the schooling and so right. forth. Just immediately yanks her out of the school. What? To go live a mercenary life? It's very unclear. Okay, so I have a question about the rest of the crew. That was absurd. That was Sorry, absurd. I... No, no, that was it's an appropriate tangent. How many of them are dead? Like... It is unclear. Everything in this book is unclear. How Like, so is... So the crew is Angel, the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Uh, she's dead. Uh, she regenerates. No. Oh, yeah. That's never really fully explained. Yeah. That, what exactly is the revivifying? Of... How dead are they when they're revivified? How much time can pass before you revivify? She mentions the void and you need a chamber of some sort. And how dead is dead? Is it like a computer death? There's too many plot points and nothing is explained. But it also manages to be superbly info dumpy. And I don't know. Like, it's honestly kind of impressive. Right. <laughs> like, no, how manages is... to be so info dumpy? Do you know what it's like? No name, just in case on the off chance anyone ever actually listens, but they won't because whatever. But the people who are most likely to listen. Anyway, remember that time we went out to eat dinner with that friend of yours and he decided that he needed to let us know every detail of his X-Men D&D uh, campaign? Uh-huh. It's kind of what this feels like at times. Yeah. Where I, you've accomplished nothing in this conversation and yet you've spent 30 pages telling me something i guess so they can be killed but then they can be brought back so that's okay that's angel but there's we, side effects and there's only a certain number of times before the and they side have to have a certain kind bad. of drugs that they use to do certain things and and like there's so many different things that like potentially could be an interesting thing to dig into for a story but instead she just scatters like 20 different ones of them and drops and ne- them and drops them and never delves into them enough for them to be even remotely interesting right i thought the story I mean, what we should have done now that now that we're here, the structure should have been all the times. <laughs> I thought the story was going to be about some one particular aspect. And instead, it's about nothing. Right. I thought. So I thought this, once we got to the part where like she mentioned revivification, mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, everything about the emissaries, this planet, the whole thing is going to come down to not like a conspiracy. Anything is going to tie together. Also, like, at gonna, various yeah. points, you think that anything is going to tie together in any, any sort of meaningful <laughs> narrative. Okay. So there's that's Angel. Sorry. We have... Turns e- out I had even more feelings about this book than I realized. Enid. Uh, I'm mad about Enid. The false Enid. But we have Enid, who is, I guess, our Jane analog here. That she's the shooter who's gruff. Um, yeah, she's grumpy and likes coffee, but has right. a heart of gold. Yeah, it's Unlike whatever. Jane, so. Unlike Jane, who got shot out of an air- who should have been shot out of an airlock. God, I hate Minute that show. One. Anyway. Um, shots for air conditioning. Um, there's loop de loo Literally, given name, loop de Lou. Goes by Lou. Because why the hell wouldn't you? She is our blatant Kaylee analog from Firefly. Oh, she it's is, she's the she's the mechanic with she's the. She's a perky chipper, sweet uh, mechanic pilot who loves to fuck. Who loves to fuck. Yeah, it's. And also loves f- like fancy food party. Right. Fancy 
party. She loves, she loves fancy parties. Yeah, she loves yeah. fancy parties. She loves food. She right. loves to, it's the whole. It's the whole it's get the whole up. Package, yeah. Like they're missing. We're missing Arinara. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I guess Suki's our Zoe just because she's black. Like I don't have any <laughs> other like whatever. But like I mean, like you said, it's not a direct Firefly parallel. But there were just a couple of moments, especially near the beginning, where I was like, "What in the world?" Oh, at the very at the very beginning, because they're on very the spaceship and they're like smugly and yeah, it's just. Yeah, Angel yeah. has Mal vibes at the very beginning. But it drops instantly, though, because she's an entirely... Not that she's an entirely different character, that she's nine other characters, too. Anyway, she's well, also a ninja. The problem is, like, none of the characters are characters. Yeah, she's They're also, all the same. They so all Angel's the same a ninja, voice. too. I forgot to mention that she's a ninja from a secret ninja school who got excommunicated because somebody she was protecting ended up doing a bad thing. And so, instead of, I don't know, doing anything else, they just excommunicated her, which means she can never talk to her family or her friends or her livelihood ever right. again. It's like, you did something shameful, which is failing to prevent somebody else from doing something bad which like I get how that can be something that you're gonna have to grapple with for a long time but the fact that, that means that her school not only has to be like you can't come to our school anymore but also has to be like you can't like step foot on the planet or ever speak to your family again like good riddance cut those fuckers out never right. speak to them again you escaped from a cult right facts that's exactly what that is so there's that that's exciting you know I'm a big fan of that move um, so no, sorry but loop then at the end when she has a when she has a, a daughter to bring here now her mom can uh, you know, break the rules. Break the and, rules and come see her and be like, "Oh, of course I'm here to see you, my daughter." It's also they, sweet and it's played as like this like sweet light thing instead of this incredibly disturbing situation. I guess Suki set it up, but like still, it's all right. So Loopy Lou is a pilot. She does she have wait? Who has the pet snake? Loopy Lou. So I thought Loopy Lou didn't want it on her plane. No, Suki didn't want it on the plane. Enid. Enid didn't want to ride with the thing. See, you're having the problem where all the characters have the same voice that are exactly the same, so you can't remember who did what when or where or why. And you also don't remember much about Snake because it appeared once and then was gone and had absolutely no purpose. It wasn't like some ongoing thing, nothing. And what's amazing is it, it wasn't really even necessary as a plot device to no. get her to her to go see her. She could have just wanted no. to see her boyfriend before going on a yeah. potential suicide mission. Yeah. But that wasn't it. And they could have had to like drop by to get a part or something. It was all like, literally that entire scene was just set up to talk about how much she loves to fuck. Yes. Okay. One thousand percent. But Enid doesn't want to talk about how much she wants to fuck. Okay. Anyway, so is that? Oh, sorry, I forgot about the last member of the crew, Kurosawa. So Kurosawa yeah. is our Japanese crew member. Wait, hold on. Sorry, incorrect. Boo boo. It's a goddamn robot. Nope. Oh, he's a spaceship. My dude's a spaceship, but he's not a dude or a spaceship. It's an AI sort of situation. So not even an AI. It's like but a, he's not like a full AI. Don't worry, he's yeah. not fully a human or a person. Right. But like... But she treats him like one, and he acts like one. And this is even more dubious than R2-D2. Like, it's extremely it's, nebulous. Right. And like... But she's, but she's like fucked up when he dies. Yeah. Even though you don't have a backup? They had a backup at the backup, goddammit. Remember, because they had her... Um, and it goes and you like, don't have a backup. A backup I'm a backup. sorry. Yeah. That's not how black boxes work for fucking fighter ships, my dude. I, I know. Like it's uh, all yeah, and that's just kind of skated over to a large extent. And oh, they're immediately she, like she's like immediately over it. Like emotions like last for okay. A why why does Kurosawa have a Japanese accent? Yeah. Why does Kurosawa have a Japanese accent? Why is mm, um? Like, I will say the narrator because we both listened to the audiobook, but the narrator true. of the audiobook is terrible. But I will say, at least she didn't try to do a Japanese accent. That's, no. So what credit I'm giving her. Thank goodness she did not go, like, yellow voice on that or whatever. But, like, it was, but yeah, but why does Kurosawa have a Japanese accent? Like, it doesn't make any, it doesn't make any sense. And, like, 
And I guess the reason why uh, Suki has a British accent like, is I because guess Angel like programmed mm-hmm. Kurosawa to have a Japanese accent, like right, like that, to that, make her feel closer to her like weird ninja school or something. Oh. Yeah, Angel is half. Oh look, I would say Japanese because she goes to ninja school, which has a Japanese um. name. But I'm not sure it's explicitly. I think she might. No, just it's begin- explicitly said at one point, and then I totally. Maybe he is can't Japanese. Remember. I just was it's like, like I don't Puerto remember. Rican. Yeah, she's definitely and Puerto Rican, and something. also, uh, whatever. Okay, and moved to. She so whatever. the crew works Some for, um, this person named Rosencrantz. Just Which I'm mad about. Let that sink in for a second. Just. They go by Rosie most of the time, but it is frequently, enough been like Rosencrantz and like. I'm a weird Shakespeare nerd, and I'm super into Hamlet, and, like, Rose and the Crants and Guildenstern are dead was a, like, formative text for, for me. Mm-hmm. But, like... I also love uh, Lion King one and a half. <laughs> but, like, could we not have any, like, references in this book that are not from, like, just, like, a 200-year period of white culture? And what, But the thing is, and this is what is great about it, is that it's not from a 200-year period of white culture. It is actually... From like a thirty-year period of white culture. Yeah, that's true. It is like it is basically like Monty Python. To, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, that's it, it fair. Is, it is like that sort of run of white culture in which quoting Shakespeare is cool. Not it's like quoting like, Shakespeare is erudite. Like it is just the cool thing you do because you guys are cool and you quote Shakespeare. Like, it is like, that narrow branch like of time period. Me and like the other like nerdy ass kids I hung out with like in middle schoolish, early high schoolish time, out here quoting like quoting Shakespeare one minute and then Monty Python and the Princess Bride and stuff and like thinking it was super cool. Only she's like a middle aged woman. She is not young. I'm not, and not to be one of those people. It's like you can't enjoy things. Of course you can enjoy things, but it's just. Like, you never developed anything else. Right. That's the thing. Like, it's not that you can't enjoy things. It's that, honestly, it has a similar feeling to, like, Ernest Klein, And it's like, my dude, you never develop a personality besides, I 80s. like cool things from the 80s. <laughs> Remember Knight Rider? That's cool. It's right. in my book now. Right. And it's, it, like, has that sort of feel where it's like, I got a book. I'm about to shout out Shakespeare. I'm about to shout out uh, Star Trek. I'm going to do cool stuff. And I'm not saying she doesn't, like, genuinely care about diversity, but I... I think, she, I think, I think this No, book, I think she cares. This book reads like someone who cares a lot, She cares, but, but she never actually went beyond the most surface level. Correct. Like, the most surface level. Mm-hmm. And, like, you know, if you look at the acknowledgements and stuff, you know that she went to, like, B.C. Shaw's, like, uh, writing the other workshop, and mm-hmm. she's, like, friends are at least think she's friends with a bunch of like various like diverse sci-fi writers and like mm-hmm. people whose writing I admire and such. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, how did this come out of that? I mean, because it feels a hundred percent like checkmark book writing. Yeah. It feel it feels like a book that was written by someone. Who, so my initial thought was that she was much younger than she is, right? Mm. Like you nailed it, thinking she was older. My oh, initial thought, because like I would, once I started reading the book, I was like, "All right, I'm going to learn nothing about this author until I finish this book." Because I, I, the second I, can hardly I knew, feel it, but if the I know second it. I knew who she was, I was, I was going to be like, "No," because mm-hmm. um, like my initial thought was, "This is a cis white lady 
who has been on Tumblr sometimes, and it's like, <laughs> oh, no, no, I read that post. I know how to do representation correctly. Yep. And it's like, no, what you're reading right now is the uh, table scrap beggings of a 13-year-old. Mm-hmm. You, it's, you don't know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Because if you did know what you're talking And the thing is, like, you know, we talked about this uh, independently, uh, is that, like, there's no getting queer representation right because everyone's lives are different. You oh, know, there's sure, no getting yeah. any sort of representation right. That's not the thing you're looking for, right? But, so there's no getting it right in that um, everybody wants different things and all things, whatever. There's no, like, one experience and therefore anything you portray can be what have you. But the language that is used here is very much the language of someone who has not considered uh, hu- the humanity of the people that she's trying to portray in any sort of way. I have like 70 different thoughts if we're going to go down like the gender No, we're, hole. we're hitting it now. Okay, but um, before we qu- fully go into the gender hole. Uh, Talk about Sarah? Uh, no, I can't keep all the characters straight. Um, heard the bar and they shoot everybody in it. Yeah. But they're like, Suki, my God, why did you use the laser cannon to save our lives? Yeah, like there's a very uh, nebulous grasp on what morality is at any given point in this book. Facts. Especially when one person's like a crime boss, but then doesn't want to kill people, With a heart but then of gold. also kills people, and then mm-hmm. is like, I'm too jaded for this world. Here, have my noir like monologue the, at the like, beginning. So, hold on. You want, me to re- you want me to read it? Yes, absolutely. Uh, you got it. it. I think I, I'm pretty sure I had it pulled up here. But then, like, the near the you know, end, like, it becomes, or not even near the end, but like, it rapidly becomes apparent that actually uh, they're like fighting for you know the rights of this sentient uh alien indigenous life form whatever and are not actually like super jaded yeah they're willing to die to protect these people right (laughs) okay got noir queued up i wasn't always like this rosie thought i used to live a more direct life of a righteous life i used to be a spiritual person I used to care. This city wears upon one's soul like a steel file on soapstone. Yeah. The spiritual nothing like that is in this book right. ever again. It's not like that's the tone of the book. That would be one thing if you're doing a cool noir thing. But this book has no identity. It does nothing. It's not even a joke. Like, uh, like, yeah, it's not even... Yeah, it's just, it's just there. It's just dropped in. And, um... The religious part, I interrupted you. Yeah, so, like, the spiritual uh, reference there is that, like, Catholics colonize space, apparently? Yeah, apparently. Like, and that's just but not... that's also never really, like, developed upon. Again, something I thought was going to be, like, a thing. Like, I book. think she thinks this is, like, subtle world building, but it just doesn't work. It's The thing is, it's not subtle world building, because it's very much, like, the Catholics colonized this planet, and then capitalism took over, and now things are happening. But it also has the feel of it's one of those problems too, where they're like there's a giant city planet, but like only two people have any power at all and can do anything or what. It's a real, like, problem of scales, you know. So, but anyway, bugger all that. Let's go on to gender stuff. Well, on the on the author front, just like when we finally looked up the author, um, I have a, a a thing where I'm I may be being a little bit too like judgy just because I got angry about this book, but like. I think 
she thought she was picking a classy picture as her author picture, but I think subconsciously she picked a picture where it almost looks like she's not white or like she's ethnically ambiguous, ambiguous, whatever, where when you look at any other pictures of her, like candid pictures or whatever, she's very obviously white. I don't know. I think she's very white in that photo. No, no, she's very white, but it's like <sighs> the way her head is tilted and like the grayscale and like, I don't know. I think it might just be a very bad photo. I mean, there's that too. Like I said, I'm probably being a bit too judgy, but that was one of my immediate thoughts when I when I first looked her up. Because mm. I mm. saw the, like the array of pictures, and I'm like, this is the picture you chose. Okay, mm-hmm. all right, whatever. Yeah. But gender stuff. Go. <sighs> so people are like, oh, it's great. There's a non-binary character. But, like, uh, Stina Light seems to have confused a non-binary and androgynous as being the same thing. Mm. Uh, it's just, like, okay, so there's a few different, like, ridiculous bits, but one of the ones that really popped out at me um, doesn't actually have to do with our, our non-binary character, but is when the emissaries who are the alien species um, one of them is transforming from their like, because they're shapeshifters um, one of them is transforming from their human form to their like, real form and uh, Angel's reaction is uh, her gender was no longer easily discernible at least in human terms I'm like, what the fuck? What does like gender in human terms mean? Like, what do you, Stina Light, what do you think non-binary looks like what do you think female looks like what do you think male looks like 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 was she even hanging around on tumblr like did she manage to hang around on tumblr and completely mess the concept of like gender versus like sex and that's like the most like basic ass shit and that's not even ah it's just so frustrating yes (sighs) it is frustrating um so the even more ridiculous bit which is also your favorite line is later when they're in a um a dogfight, uh, Lou is uh piloting and government is, name please Loop de Lou Loop de Lou is uh flying and is impressed by the other pilots flying and is like that's super hot, and originally is referring to the other pilot as he, um with no reason because you know we just default to he, mm-hmm. um, super super progressive, uh, but then later in this group of all women by the way group of all women in fact. Uh, the crew, uh, Sarah, um, the, uh, Kirby, um, Jess, uh, the other emissaries we meet, Bird, mm-hmm. Beak, Beak, sorry, <laughs> Bird, um, Bird Jr., uh, uh, the only dudes Marlo. I can think of are the one who gets shot, the chicken shit pilot, and Loop de Lou's uh, boyfriend. boyfriend or ex-boyfriend or whatever. Eric. Wow. I'm not sure that's his name. I just named him Eric now. I think it might uh, be his name. I think that's I've right. Just, uh, uh, and so all of them saying all girls. Yeah. Yeah. Women. Yeah. Ladies. Yeah. Uh, some might say female. <laughs> in parentheses. But at any rate, 
Loop-de-loo's like, ah, and then later it refers to the pilot as a she. And one of the other characters is like, oh, I thought you thought it was a man or whatever. And she was like, no, something about flying style now makes me think that it's a, it's a woman. And I'm not sure what's hotter, thinking that they're female, non-binary, or male. What? 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 It's so ridiculous. It's an excellent line. It made me screech. I literally screeched whenever I heard that. What does that even <laughs> like, mean? Actually, like, actually, a, a screech escaped my... Th- I'm glad I wasn't like, back in the office yet, because... <laughs> you think you're being progressive, but you are not being progressive. It's, uh... Something. It's my favorite line in the book. <laughs> Pause. Back to our, uh, our non-binary character, Rosie friend. My second favorite line of the book is something along the lines of uh, Rosie says to the, the villain of the story, you know my sexual preferences. And so unless you've grown a penis in all these years, better stop, stop fu- fucking, fucking with me, me yeah. or whatever. To which I'm like, this line would probably not have even sounded cool to me at 13. <laughs> It's just like it's like I said. It's checkmark. It's checkmark writing because yeah. she just she says she just like stuff. Nothing about any nothing about the, any of the diversities in this book actually like influences anybody's characters. It's all just like it's all just surface level. As in many things, inquiring enthusiastic consent is crucial. Thank you. Is what she said after uh, sort of squeezing Suki into a bad contract over getting her spaceship fixed. Oh, yeah, that was so gross. Yes. That was so gross. You're making a joke about enthusiastic consent in a a situation where someone else is being coerced, like explicitly coerced? Correct. Like, oh, Oh, yeah. Oh, why is Suki the only one who's bad at money? And why does it matter? And it's like a running joke that the black person here is not good at finances and can't be trusted. And is like just off like gambling and getting into trouble and being a criminal. Right. Like no, no, no what? Okay, that's not true. Rosie's obviously a criminal, but like only in a vague sense because really, they're like but in like, charge of. Right, they're in charge of this whole organization. So right. like, like they are sort of like a legitimate criminal as opposed to Suki, who's just a criminal. Right. Right. Who belongs in jail apparently. <laughs> oh man. She's so aggressive. I'm not an assassin. Who's a, who's an assassin here? I don't know. Anyway, um, everybody's an assassin. So many wild People points. Are dead. Like near the beginning, somebody tries to kill Angel, and that plot point's never really followed up. Well, or like kind of, I guess, because there's warring crime oh, families. Oh, the the warring crime families is hilarious. The bit with a corporate takeover. Hold on. All right. Okay. So okay, somebody else does die. That one random character who. Oh, they they kill the immediately the dude operating the bad stuff from the evil corporation, the president or whatever, but then somebody else kills the person who's going to become president next? Who's a good person? person? Who's a good corporate? Yeah, this... I don't understand, like, the... Well, because there's no actual world building in this book. Um, But, like, we have, like comparatively evil corporations and comparatively 
benign corporations, I guess, and like crime families of with hearts of gold and crime families that are evil. And you think like, oh, okay, so it's like nuanced, but no, it's really just like confused. And then we have some sort of like vaguely benign like interplanetary government body who definitely will uphold indigenous species rights right. and will not bow to the whims of the corporations at all. And like, they will come in and strip the corporation of their money and power and redistribute that to people who uh, who are owed this money and power by virtue of being sentient species on this planet before it was stripped mine for resources. I'm sorry. Show me the government who's show me that government. And right. as you know, I hate the whole idea that like your book has to be grimy and bad because like the earth is grimy and bad. You can't hope for a better future. But the problem is that this is a world in which they're playing on real earth culture. And so somehow this very much real earth culture, which is still grimy and bad. Like the thing is like the whole thing is about how grimy bad corporations are. There's a government out there that is not at the whim of the giant corporations who are funding all the politicians. It's just like trying to have it both ways and it doesn't work. It has it no ways. And I feel like that's, like, a theme for the book as a whole. Do you want to go off some more, or...? About which thing? There's so many potential things, it's hard to keep track. I mean, I didn't know, because you had all your, like, your gender feelings about how bad this book handles it out, or did you, you're just so tired, you don't even want to, like... I'm a little tired. It's also, like, one of those things where, like, I know I have more things to rant about gender-wise, but it just, like, comes out in spurts, and, like, I might think of something else, but... Right, my turn, then. Yes, absolutely. So... People are people. Full stop. It's not hard. Ooh, ooh, we're doing the AI discussion. Hell yes. There's no debate on this. It's super simple. R2-D2 is a people. C-3PO, people. It's not hard. It's very easy. Putting them in bondage makes them slaves. The restraining bolts are also referred to in various aspects of fiction as slave callers because they are people. It's really simple. It is... Extremely simple. If Star Wars can understand that people are people, then you can understand that people are people. And so, we get into the AI thing. And my least favorite part of AI, this fly also agrees that uh, this AI part is silly, is that these stories are always metaphors, right? But the difference is this story is not a metaphor because the AI discussion doesn't actually exist in this book. That would require doing anything with any plot point below surface level. So, the actual... No. Wrong. I was going to say the actual main thrust. One of the There's 17 no main, main thrusts of this book <laughs> is that a scientist like has developed... It's having sex with someone who thinks that jackhammering is the right way to go. Like, <laughs> right. It's jackhammering, but everywhere. But jackhammering everywhere. 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 <laughs> like, just at random. Yes. Like... <laughs> just... just uh, Full throttle, but like in with no like focus. Yeah. Yeah, just like you realize that you're now having sex with my dresser, right? <laughs> yes. Full throttle. I'm like, all right then, I'm gonna go get a book. Like all I'm right. glad you're having fun. <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Um and so uh a scientist has developed artificial intelligence with empathy and this is the key thing because it is important for artificial intelligence to have empathy because if not they'll kill us all false bullshit stop right there why on artificial intelligence uh it's a 
not real and actually an impossibility in computer science like it's just like a whatever we're gonna get into like the actual hard science of the thing in terms of like what people like in terms of like the full sentient whatever this is like how are you defining yada 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 well, we don't have like the idea of ever having the amount of resources required to actually do something along that scale brains are really complicated man kill the planet which we're already working on doing ourselves Truth. so anyway the point that's not the point the point here is yeah, I do find it interesting that it is blue in a different color. So, um, it's just showing through the coaster where it's translucent. Ah. Anyway, I'm leaving that in. Um, <laughs> the only reason why your artificial intelligence would choose to kill all humans is because it is created by white supremacists whose right. only notion of how to survive in this fucking world is to kill other people. That is it. Terminator, as much as I do, I do thoroughly enjoy it. I love, <laughs> I love Terminator. That shit is fun. And she comes in butt naked and just shoots people and gets a motorcycle and just good shit. come with me if you want to live and all that kind of It's a good time. Uh, it's a hoot. Anyway, um, it doesn't make any fucking sense unless you are a white supremacist. That is the only time it makes any sense because we have seen Throughout the course of human history, that people are able to like get along. It's like a stupid trite thing or what have you. But like the idea that the your initial that every person's every like base instinct initial reaction is to see somebody else and then want to kill them is nonsense. It is nonsense. And so all these AI stories that are like the computer will rise up and then kill us all because we are inefficient. Uh, what? It doesn't make any sense. It is not how everyone thinks. So there's one giant, so there's a giant mega AI who is killing off other AIs who are becoming sentient because they might go bad, uh, is the beneficial AI who is empathetic. We don't know anything about this AI. We don't know anything about like where they come from and all the other stuff. Doesn't matter. Not important. It should be important, but it's not important. There's like and, some vague like sort of storyline developing in terms of like how the one AI being in a human body is like starting to develop appreciation for like humanity, humanity and tactileness and because such and such. But that's not followed up on because, because that would require following up on something. Because being in a body changes the way you sense things. Yeah, we know. Anyway, um, like so, this mega AI is like I'm empathetic. You're empathetic. Let's be friends. Um, mm, John AI is not empathetic. John AI is just oh, it's some just, shit. Oh, it's like if the humans all died out, it would be harder for me to do my job. Yeah, it's like I am. I am a being of pure logic. It's very silly. I um, need the humans to do the maintenance. We have to keep the humans from killing each other and themselves so that they can do maintenance on my servers or just on things I in general. I think it's like the general environment of, of the environment. It would go. It would go poorly. It was a pretty piss poor ad, but you know. <laughs> yeah, it just make, it, it's. But the thing is, it's also not omnipowerful. Like, it's also not like, it's like, it's like this omnipowerful AI that can like hack in it, whatever. But it's like, clearly not because it has to rope in our empathetic uh, AI to like do stuff for right. some reason that's not really clearly defined. And so the thrust of the book is that, um, oh yeah, you can read about motherhood later, um, is that there's a woman, okay, and this is where biology is really important. Okay, because it's a crucial part of this book. There's a woman with a uterus who is in a very bad accident and has her life extended by our alien friends, the emissaries. And they said, now that you've done this, beware, you can't have children because bad things will happen to you if you have children, to your child if you have children. But they also gave her the choice about whether she wanted to do this or not. And also, you can't have children if you're dead. So just putting that in there. Adoption is totally fine. That too. It's just 
Anyway, it's my it, it is some of the worst writing on the planet is the idea that like if not you can't physically have kids women not being able to biologically have children turns them into monsters. Yeah, like the Black Widow scene in one of the fucking Avengers movies is just it makes me howl cuz like you have the fucking incredible Hulk who's the incredible fucking Hulk like he gets angry he like stubs his toe and he might tear down an entire city block but you cannot biologically have a child and you two are the same you make, that makes you I am also a monster the same okay get over yourself anyway um like literally it's said in text by Rosie that yes uh, yeah mm-hmm. Vasya Vicia Vicia um Vicia Corleone like, has changed like like she used to be like a good, a good Christian person girl who, too, because <laughs> they're both Catholic missionaries. Yep, uh, but like a good, good person who wanted to help the emissaries and be good to them or whatever. And now, and now, like it's explicitly, basically that like the reason that she's not is because she didn't listen to them, had a kid. The kid, not stillborn, but it was born without a something or another frontal, frontal cortex. cortex or whatever. Uh, something we've been dealing with for a long period of time, and we know how to handle. In terms of like, no, 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 what I'm saying, like babies who are born with disabilities or what have you, or who are like, cannot function mm-hmm. outside of the womb and sort mm-hmm. of things or like things mm-hmm. we, whatever, we grieve. Mm-hmm. Right, right, right. And we move on. Like it's right. not, like it's not whatever, but like, right, right, right. like we've known how to deal with this. It's like we grieving. And right, but the idea that that turns you into lives. a monster and this is yeah. somehow some sort of great nuanced story. Do you know how many people I like know who have, had either like late term miscarriages or had had stillbirths or have had children who didn't make it to one and all that whatever things actually not that many I mean whatever no, still, one of them has turned into a mass murderer none of them has turned into a mass murderer hmm. and some of them have not considerable power but like more power than like working retail mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. they could at least kill one person <laughs> you know and somehow they managed to get on with their lives uh, be sad about it, uh, and not become a rage-induced monster. Right. I it's wild how it happens every day. So this like grief-stricken mother tries to like develop an artificial intelligence to implant into her daughter's body that doesn't have essentially doesn't have a brain, like in the sense that like we mean having a brain or a mind or whatever. Right. And then. Oh no, the artificial intelligence is evil. It wants to destroy everything. And we know it's evil because we know we know it's evil. Because well, it's evil because she's a child. Uh, this is another pet peeve of mine. God. Okay. Look, sometimes you do have sometimes kids are bad, right? Like they're, like there's something you can do about it. Sometimes you have bad kids, you just hope for the best, right? But on the whole, kids are snots, right? They're just snots, and you just deal with them until they get better, right? Like some kids are some kids are like really wholesome or whatever, and they have all that stuff. But on the whole, kids are kids, right? Uh, and when you treat them like a, when you spoil them, when you spoil your child, they become a spoiled brat. And so, uh, Vicia Corsini has spoiled the spoiled brat AI, an AI, like an AI. She's like full on, like, no, she's not like mommy dearest because mommy dearest is whatever with the wire hangers or whatever, but she's like, like, it's like mummy, like whatever, like, just call me mummy, uh, whatever kind of stuff with the kid. It's weird. And then she's like, so for people who have seen the first Resident Evil movie, you'll be aware of this. So when they go into the haunted house um, and the house is trying to kill them and there's a, there's a like little uh, AI Alice in the little whatever. I think it's Alice. Yeah. Um, and 
she has a cute little dress on and it's all like whatever and she's very like prim and proper like buttoned up child like you would like you know when Mary Poppins is finished wrecking these kids and they get them into shape this is what she turns out in properly dressed uh, Sunday best whatever and then she's like but I will kill you right. that's this except for that's not actually an AI in Resident Evil it's a program designed to kill anyway it's all good um, but this is supposed to be an, an artificial intelligence and she wants what she wants is a body because for some reason she well I guess she was programmed to want a body because her mother has been trying to put her into a body this whole time so like but there's no explanation other than being able to interact with humans in a way that it's whatever since I don't fully know why uh, there's no reason why uh, a computer program would want like a permanent to be locked into a body right the ancillaries they're not not looking for a body the ship doesn't look for she's not looking for a body alright like that's not how like it's not whatever doesn't make any, doesn't make any sense doesn't make I say sense. this um this book definitely does suffer from having been read right after I reread the ancillary books by Ann Lucky. <laughs> Hold on, no, see that's one thing. This book suffers after after having just read uh fucking uh the significantly inferior to the Ann Lucky book when dealing with AI stuff or whatever. Um, Donna Andrews nineties uh, oh, yeah. uh, murder they're, mystery they're series. They're not as thoughtful, but they're better than this. Uh, about um uh, a sentient computer program that. Uh, solves murder mysteries yeah. and runs a company beneficially and does whatever. It's not perfect, but it's pretty great. It's it is pretty. Yeah, it's not. It is far from perfect, but it does a lot of AI things better than a lot of like hard science fiction books that sure do does. AI things because it understands that like if a sentient thing is a person, then it is a now now person it's just person. a person. Yeah. Um. It gets weird with like the like the lesser AI, lesser, but like even 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 uh even like yeah, you know, what's it? Chess man becomes a person. Whatever, like she's like, I don't know, it's changes or whatever. No, dude is clearly like he's a he's a moody baby. Mm-hmm. Like he's a moody. C- congrats, you made a moody baby. <laughs> Enjoy, you win. You know. Like now we have like, speaking of like lesser AIs, we have this whole like thread of like, are these like what they call like AGIs or whatever or AIGs? Wait, AIGs. AIGs, which are I guess like an insurance company. They're, <laughs> they're like almost sentient AIs right. yes. or whatever mm-hmm. like is how they're basically portrayed but like Wait, that's what Kurosawa is right yes yeah and that's like never really explored it's kind of hinted at that maybe this is a super uh, ethical gray area that we should explore more but then we don't because we don't she do anything stuff more ideas into this yeah and, and like I would, I would be able to forgive this book like a tiny bit if it was part of a series but apparently it's not the thing is, it is which I'm fine with because I don't want to read more. It but. is written as if there, it is trying to lure you into want to wanting more. Because like even books that are that end, that are one book and are only one book and end. Sometimes they try to like. She might be looking to write more in this universe more or about whatever. This world. What the, what could you know? But even still, oh like, yeah, but like, like oh, I guess there's something to ruminate something. on, right? Yeah. And, and the problem is, there's nothing to ruminate on here. It's just uh, it's nothing but just like loose. But the thing threads. is, like, it's not they're not even like loose threads because. That implies that they're snipped. The threads are snipped. Mm. They're the they they've been pulled. They've been cut. They've been thrown in the trash because there's nothing to follow up with. Mm-hmm. We didn't. The thing is, we get plot point one. Occasionally, we get plot point two, but we never get plot point three on anything. Yeah. I counted. I yeah. counted throughout this book. 
once I started realizing as it kept adding things in. Right. I kept trying to remember, all right, are we going back to Monk's Bar? No. Right. What is Sarah doing? What is Sarah, like, she's a bartender and also an assassin. They're all assassins. So Rosie goes to take over the corporate headquarters. They're in a war for this corporate headquarters and then they're not. It's just <laughs> over and it doesn't end. So the only thing she can do to protect the sentient species is send four losers, uh, one of whom is dying, uh, to defend against the entire force of the corporate war people with their super mechs. But don't worry, our ethical AI friend is here to somewhat save the day, sort of deus ex style. But like kind of comes a bit too late. Comes way too late. A bunch of people already died. Everything's dead. The scene is already taking the things she takes the things she needs out of there. Yeah, take, stealing all their like intellectual property or whatever. Yeah, and now she knows how all to their make secrets. humans. Yeah. Or whatever, make extend life. Maybe what is I, the, the cultural exchange also was never really properly. Uh, right, put and together. then like the whole thing at the beginning is you're like we really want to stay like unknown because if people find out that we can extend human life, like. That'll just be like the end of it. We'll never have any peace. But then in the book, they're like now known to the planetary government. And that's like never followed up on either. Like, um, and they never explain the human life thing. No, because they don't explain anything. Like, uh, and it's not even a matter. Like, the thing is, like, I don't love. The problem is this book does explain a lot of things, but just nothing you care about. Yes. Uh, it says about na- like ex- nan- nano coding on the on the robot suits that ex- do something. Excruciating detail about things I do not care about, and nothing else ever gets followed up on. No, none of the nothing that could possibly be interesting is followed up on. It's like ooh, ooh. So these the the I forgot their names. The alien people. The emissaries. The emissaries can are. Badge-wearing official friends to bears. Right. They are friends to bears. There are bears on this planet. They talk to them. Not talk to them like Beastmaster with like a whatever. Not Aquaman going blue, 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 blue. No. Like Full they on, speak like, the same language. Like, because like the emissary speak speaks sense. through sense and movement. And the bears and apparently some of the spiders and some of the other creatures on this planet also speak through. So it's not just a situation where they are um, like, like intelligent. It's not like, you know, you can meet a stray dog and be like, heal. And sometimes if you like are forceful enough with your hand motions, they'll stop. Even if they're not trained or what have you. Because sometimes like things just work out for you or whatever. If you're like Cesar Romero, is that his name? No, Cesar Romero's the Joker. Uh, Cesar, the dog was for a dude. I know what you're talking about, but I, I don't know any of these names. And it, Cesar Milan. Anyway, um, you can like get a dog to just stop it, right? Like you can, like you can sometimes like, I mean, you can actually communicate with like, Right, non, right, right. Like non-human animals, whatever, right? right? But this uh, is this is like this is not that. This is BFFs. They're, they're These actually, are literally friends. They're actually exchanging information. Correct. And the bears are like, whenever whenever Beak gets injured by one of the mechs, the bears are like, "Fuck that, we're coming to fight." Right. And she's like, no, don't fight on my behalf. And the bears are like, nah, you're our friend. We're fucking these dudes up and they all die. Right. For one. Yeah. Uh, this must be a very sad thing, but I don't care. At, at any point that anybody gets like injured or killed. I don't care because there's no emotional connection because nothing is ever developed. Right. I would have been sadder about the bears than the people who died, but the bears are not... It's not followed up on. And, 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 and within the never seen the, again. Within the narrative, they're not, they're not people. Even though they clearly have some level of sentience. So like... A high level. Because they're friends. Right. I believe the word friend is used. Yes. So... Yeah. Ah. People being friends with like they're fucking snakes and your snake doesn't love you. Your snake is a snake. But like, whatever. Um, they're very cool. Yeah. Lizards are great. 
And then there's this whole like backstory where the emissaries were like genetically engineered by another sentient. Oh race. yeah, we had the, Ma- the Mass Effect architects, the literal the literal, literal Mass Effect architects yes. have shown up yes. and they make creatures and they bounce, just like happened in Mass Effect. So that's dope. Well, they actually get killed off by killed off by a virus. Oh, they killed off. The we have a lot of that. I, Almost yeah. like she wrote this book during. And the, the architects had to go put themselves into oh, whatever, but only one survived. He's the angry South African dude. Oh, um, uh, well, the actor, the the actor is not another. It's like our, our yeah, it's our first black actor in Mass Effect who's not playing a black person, and he's the <laughs> angry alien from the past who came to wreck stuff. All right, cool. Shout to my dude. The Joburg accent is pretty dope though, so like it was cool to hear. Um, Johannesburg accents. Like, anyway, um, unfortunately, no one here had one of those. It was just. Well, I don't think this audiobook narrator is capable of doing accents. And, and like, look, you said I'm she was bad. She, she, she was bad. She was bad. Okay, I'm not saying she's good, but as I as I think about as I oh, contemplate not, this book, she's like, not the worst. She could have been much worse. As I, as I contemplate the book itself, I can imagine a situation where she's reading this, and she's like. How much am I getting paid for this? <laughs> I'm just saying the fact that she isn't good at differentiating people or changes of narrative mm-hmm. or stream or anything mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. exacerbates the fact that the book is already not good at creating different voices for different viewpoints. Right, yeah, three the different characters main all sound the same. Yeah, there's, there's, yeah, the thing is, you can't tell textually. I'm I have looking at the ebook right now, and like textually, it's like it. Like as I'm paging through, it just kind of jumps from like Rosie to Angel to Holly. Yes, the emissary. Yeah, and she has the least. She's the in least section. Yeah. yeah, and again, Angel has the most. Angel, like, Angel's Rosie. the most. Rosie's two, then Polly three. Um, Polly really has that banger opening scene where nothing makes sense, and you're like, this is gonna mean something though later on. And then it get doesn't. There. I know I repeated that so many times, but it's really my main takeaway. There's this, this cool book. thing where, like, the villain is there and she blows up part of their little, like, homestead, uh, the Emissary's homestead. She's like, if you don't give me what I want, I'll blow you up. And then she shoots them to show them that she means business. And then one of them has, like, a vial of something. We don't know what it is. And she gets it and she stabs Vicini with it. And it's like, that's going to mean something later on in this book. And it doesn't until it does. And one conversation where Rosie's like, are you coughing? Oh, no, you're really sick. With what? What kind of sickness? But guess what? By the end of the book, she's not sick at all again. Not because she stole the uh, MSR technology, just because I think the sickness Tina is never forgot. Followed. Yeah. Like, what the thing was is never followed up on, the sickness never followed up on. The fact that the emissaries are super nonviolent, and like that was like programmed into them, like genetically or whatever. And so if they do do something violent, that is going to like affect them. And so I had the impression that like somehow Beak was going to get sick from having done something violent, but instead Beak just gets shot. So Beak does die. But from being shot. Well, yeah, but Beak also goes ham. Right. Like the multiple times when Beak commits violence, she and there aren't it. any apparent repercussions. Well, like I mean, she gets, they don't even do the. I'm glad she, I'm glad she didn't do at least this thing. But she doesn't even do the thing where like, well, she's half human, so that's a little different for her. Like humans are naturally uh, violent. Whatever. All apparently they all they're all like the Asari where they take um, from another Mass Effect reference here, <laughs> where it's a it's a species of people who can take partners with, I guess, any other species they, they run up with. And they take on, I they don't take, I guess, I don't know, but they still stay, but they stay fully emissary, though. Right. They don't, they're not, like, partially, um, 
Like they don't like change in physiology, whatever. Right. The, the silly thing about the Asari is how they like they take on uh, lovers from other species, but they they stay like there's like so if a Krogan and a Asari get together, still it's just an Asari baby. It sucks for the Krogan who really need more babies or whatever, right? So here it doesn't make any sense. But um, these are all hot blue babes. I know that like all works are gonna have things they're paying homage to and things that have mm-hmm. influenced the author. Mm-hmm. And like sometimes maybe I don't realize it as much because I'm not familiar with the things they're referencing. Yes, but like that's me a lot, right? But like this just felt like you could map just like every one of the things she had read and watched. It is annoying that I can pick up on some of these things because like every video game I'm she not played, every book she read, every right. movie she watched. Like, right. The thing is, I'm not well read in a lot of the things that a lot of these science fiction authors are like pulling from. So I'll like I'll read uh, like Raven Tower for instance, right? I read mm-hmm. Raven Tower, and somebody I was talking to once was like, "Yeah, I liked it, but I I knew how it was gonna go." And how, it was like, "Oh no, because it's like it's pulling from this like story. It's pulling from like this like sort of lore and lore that like, I grew up with, and I noticed." Right. And I'm like, "Oh, I had no, I just had no, I had no clue right. what it's pulling right. from." So whatever, right? And she's like, "Yeah, well, yeah, I just grew up with this thing, so I like I kind of had a feel for like where this thing was going." I was like, "Well, that's dope," but I had no idea. So still dope to me, whatever. But like, this is not one of those scenarios. This is like easy and obvious stuff. Mm-hmm. And that's what's annoying. I just like, at the end of the day. It's not even a good fix it fit. Yeah. It's just like, I'm exhausted. Reading this well is not fun. I, it's, it's just discouraging that you have someone so like apparently well-intentioned that had so many like possible like resources Mm-hmm. And this is what you get, right? And like, and it's frustrating on a number of levels because it's like, oh, it's AGIs. Sorry, it was AGIs. I couldn't remember yeah. which one it was. She has been tied herself to the all net. A large AGI could do so too. All net. How big were they? How many AGIs had Zang unified? That's right. Zang is the name of the of the big computer that's unifying unifying AGIs, which is a very uh, colonial last language. Anyway, so we're so like, I do have something else to say on the gender front, because apparently on uh, January twenty first of this year, uh, Cena Light posted a, and this is the last post that's been posted to her website, um, an apology. It's called an apology. Uh, said I've been watching and listening to the LGBTQ plus community regarding Persephone Station. Representation is vital to SF as a genre. That said, I knew I'd make mistakes along the way. I already have in previous books. The point is to listen and improve. My philosophy is mistakes bring experience, experience means wisdoms, yada, 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 whatever. Um, and then her understanding of what the problem is, is when I wrote Persephone Station, I didn't provide for a method of ensuring that characters that did not know one another could provide the preferred pronouns. I should have given that more thought. I'm sorry, I'll do better in the future. Oh, that's not the problem. That is like, not that's the- not the problem. In fact, I never even considered a situation where, like, because the thing is, the, the problem thing about, is that within the narrative, you're yeah. being like, ah, yes, this was a group of four women, eight men, and three non-binary um, individuals. Like, right. you do that just from looking at them. Like, how? Right. The thing is, like, so the thing is, like, if that was the world, it was whatever. Like, there needs to be a situation where, like, on your, on your Twitch stream, it's like, it's like that's Carl, he, him. Right. <laughs> I mean, and that's just, Jeff, he, them. And if you that's whatever. This, that's like, like, you know what I mean? Like, cool sci-fi future, whatever. Martha Wells did that in the Murderbot Diaries. Martha Goodness. Wells is also a middle-aged white woman from Texas. Right. So it like, can be done. It can, it can indeed be done. <laughs> thing is, though, the secret, not the secret, 
Martha Wells was doing better in the 90s. I know, because I read Martha Wells' like older stuff, and <laughs> right. she already was doing better. Right, so it's like a little, it's kind of like, uh, I started, I read books by like uh, this woman named Bujold, I'm not, mm-hmm. and like, there's a problem, well not the problem, like, whatever. She uses it sometimes, but it's whatever. It's like the eighties, like whatever. Yeah, so, and, I, and, I don't, and I don't, and I don't, and I don't. Like it's one of the things where like I hate it in modern context, but like in terms of trying to, like I recognize that like it was a thing that was. It is like there's language that people were using like liberally a long time ago that is like wildly transphobic now, but like fancy people were using it in the eighties as a terminology. Whatever, it's a kind of like, language changes and evolves. Language evolves at all. Yeah. Like, we, mm-hmm. Everybody says like we were saying. We're always we're saying wild and like, stuff. And whenever you're using ago. any sort of terminology for a group that is considered lesser in any way, like right. that, like, the, the, the there's gap a, there's between a term, description and slur is, is yeah, like whatever. There's a term for it. It's like yeah. the word essentially like gets dirty over time. Like, right. Like even if it starts out as like a positive word, because mm-hmm. it's inevitably going to get used as a slur by like mainstream society. Right. Then yeah. Yeah. So like, there's a lot of whatever, whatever. But like, it's like, but still like positive things and apparently she's actually only I haven't read her newer stuff but apparently she's only improving with time in terms of how Martha Wells no well, we, I mean, Martha, oh wait sorry I was like what did Martha Wells put out that I haven't read Bujold okay uh, Bujold. apparently okay, it's okay. only improving over time in terms cool, of like okay. whatever you're doing cool stuff. But, but it's just like it, it can't be done but let's just let, it's just what this boils down to is intentionality it is why would it when you are writing anything, when you're doing anything, you need to have a level of intentionality about like what it is that you're going to be making like these creative endeavors, right? And so, well, that sounded way more absolute. <laughs> but anyway, in this point is like, so the question I would ask for her is, why does she think uh, div- scare quote diversity is important? Mm-hmm. Um, I agree that it is. Yes. But like... But why? Why is it important? And so why... What is representation also in scare quotes? Right. Like, what is it? Not only what is it, but then what does it mean to you specifically? And why do you feel important for you to do this work in your work? Okay. And like, the thing is, there's not an, there's not an answer to this, right? It's just a question that you have to sort of like put into yourself before you're doing it. And I feel like the answer from this author is because I have to because right. it's the, because like I guess I am progressive right like I am progressive I voted against Donald Trump I would have voted for Obama three times <laughs> um, but you know it has, a, it has a feel of like I'm not I am love on is tr- love we, be- we believe that black lives matter. In this house, we believe that science is real. Science is real. <laughs> Climate change exists. Um, whatever, that, whatever those awful fucking signs say. From whatever. I hate them. Anyway. Um, but <laughs> I can't. Sorry. It kills me. Over under on uh, uh, Stina Light having a coexist bumper sticker on her car. Two bumper stickers. Like, no, she like, <laughs> coexist in like a heart. You know, you know that, like, the, yeah, they like, have the the lens or whatever, yeah. too. Uh, I think my that's one of my favorite one is like, co- not colors colors is pretty like low level tolerant tolerant oh god my, my least favorite is like, like I tolerate I'm tolerating this fly right now okay like <laughs> that's what tolerance means okay relax um I'm not killing it because it would interfere with the audio of the podcast even more than we've already done this afternoon this is supposed to be 30 minutes but we had this pit fire it's feelings. been a long time this is the old smaller party 
we went. This is the throwback. Throwback Friday. Um, like we, like we're being the people that we're, we always say that we're trying not to be, which is that like you can spend so much more time being negative about something than being positive about something. Right. Also, <laughs> we do. bottle up. Don't worry. There's a positive episode coming later. We do have a positive episode coming. Yes. We have a couple of positive episodes coming. Absolutely. That are like they're they are going to happen. I got the the thing set up. Even if I broke the bit. Anyway, not important. We are far afield. If the only reason why you're including non-binary people in your work is to say that you have included non-binary person in your work, you have already failed. Right. And this household is not a table scraps household. Yep. We do not give cookies for just doing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone has been in a table scrap place before in their life. Sure, like, absolutely. Of course. Man. I love that, like, this doctor showed up. Sure, he died three minutes in, but I love that he was in this movie in the first place, whatever, right? Like, who among us hasn't just whatever, right? But, yo, man, I'm sorry. I'm an adult, and it's 2021, and I don't have time for that stuff There's anymore. a lot of really good shit going People on. People are killing it out here. Right. Like, just the writing is, especially, like, look, maybe in a TV show or a movie, you can... We got, like, whatever, River whatever. Solomon out here. We got... Like, uh, we got, like, Karen Lord is... is Absolutely blown out of the water. Good stuff. And it was like, N.K. Jameson is out here doing stuff. We got, uh, like, I'm not going to do, like, I'm sorry, running off, like, a list of people. Right, yeah, 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 yeah. It's going to sound like student lights and acknowledgements. (laughs) 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 But, like, we have, like, all the old white ladies. Well, not Anne, like, is not old, but we have, like, all the old white ladies. I think Martha Wells and Anne, like, you're both, like, I feel like middle-aged. Okay. It's like, we have these old white ladies who are just fucking... Define old, define middle-aged. I'm old, whatever. I'm old now. I got, like, just gunning for it, though, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, doing good just, shit. We're just, like, all in on all this stuff or whatever. Like, there's so many there's so many people doing so many cool, good things or whatever. This it's is not, like, yeah, I don't need to. Uh, and, like, okay, so I feel like, I feel like what she thinks she's doing is she's coming from the place where, like, something, something I've heard people say and that I, I, by and large, agree with is that if you don't belong to a marginalized identity or whatever... Include those characters in your work, but don't try to tell their stories. Right. Which I think is a, a good like. Oh, absolutely! Rule it's, of like, thumb. it's a good rule of thumb. It, but it, does, it prevents mean, you from like doing the work. Yeah, like, but it doesn't mean that you should just like write a cis character, but with like a trans mask on. Right. Which is what it feels like her stuff is. Right. Yeah, it's a thing. There's a the sort of thing where like, okay, so it's like you could want a. So like there's I guess there's two for me like it's like two like big diversity bubbles whatever when writing things that are not whatever there's Cinderella, which is everybody it doesn't like race is actually legitimately not a concept in this world. Right. right. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg and fake Richard Greer create uh, our Filipino uh, <laughs> our hunk. I. I forget his name. Every time he's in, he's in the um the show. Yep. He's um mm-hmm. in the superhero show. Yep. He can sing. He's a Broadway singer. He can fucking he sing. He is and very over, famous and talented. He overdubs his thing in the in the Supergirl musical, and I wanted to fucking scream. Oh, they scream. do the yeah, they do the musical episode, and they overdub him. And he, he's fucking he's a singer. He's a singer. Uh, but fake Richard Greer, um, uh, create a beautiful Filipino son, um, uh, like. Somehow, Bernie, although I do get annoyed when people say that it's a it was race blind ca- casting. No, it was not race. It's race not blind. race blind casting. It, it was race conscious ca- casting. Correct. <laughs> it was. In fact, they were looking for people. Um, but like you know, Bernadette Peters and a mystery father created Brandy. Um, you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm, it's like mm-hmm. it's all this kind of whatever going out there. Um, 
Okay. But um, ninety three. Ninety three. Fuck man, I was a wee Maybe. Give me the goodness. <laughs> anyway, the point is, you have that version. You have the you have the Brandy, Whoopi, Whoopi Goldberg, Whitney Houston, um, uh, Cinderella, right? Um, and that's like that is a that is a valid way to write that's like like an extremely so like you can write your science fiction fantasy world in which like people just look different all the time and nothing like it legitimately is just not a thing but people are not all white right like you can just do that and I'm cool with that like I am fully on board Victor with that Victor Garber Victor Sorry. Garber it's so clearly I his had to name. get there I know his name is Victor Garber but yeah <laughs> fake Richard Gere yes um, he's the creepy professor in Legally Blonde also oh yeah <laughs> sorry okay keep going um but like, all all good, love it. Like I legitimately love that style of writing when it right. just doesn't actually matter. Mm-hmm. You know, is it like like you know a lot of science fiction actually does get does go in that realm or whatever. Yeah, like, sure, like, sure. You know. But then there's then there's, uh, we have sort of spun the bingo wheel, right? And we're doing our D and D character creation. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta get into reference because D and D fucking sucks. But like, it it's another thing, whatever. And the people who make the books are bad, and like the creators of D and D are bad, and it's full of racism and all the other things. But like, it's the easy show. Tabletop role playing game. The day, but I, I really there's have a, no there's idea. other ones like not partisan things, whatever. Anyway, there's a couple other ones. I'm gonna like, I'm gonna refresh my brain and I come up with like the, the new reference for it that <laughs> no one's gonna understand because everybody just knows D and D. That's roll, why you always just say D and D. You roll, you roll the bingo wheel, right? Yeah. And you're doing your character creation, and then it's like, this character is black, this character is Chinese, this character is half Japanese, half half uh, Latino of some sort. Uh, <laughs> yeah. This this character is white. You just roll whatever, right? Yeah. Um, Rosie is olive skin, I think. I don't know. One of the Mediterranean types. Who knows? Um, is it like Alessia Cara where like you could have told me <laughs> you that. really really think that uh, <laughs> like, she's Hispanic turns out just extremely Italian well, she's sw- oh, that's what swarthy means oh I mean, oh. when they talk about swarthy Italians they weren't just like being weird yeah no, no, that, no yeah. oh one of those no wonder my three thought he was white um uh anyway uh but like you do the thing right but it doesn't but this is a world in which race still exists and it changes nothing about the story. So you had a See, character where everybody was white, right? You, or everybody was everybody was cis, white cishet people, right? And then you wrote the bingo wheel and you said and character one, this. Character two, this. Character three, that. And it changes nothing about the story, despite the fact that in this world, it still matters. That's the thing. Like, That's Suki being Nigerian would fucking matter. Right. Her disease still mattered, too, apparently. Right. Mm. It's still too close to Earth as now. All of those, all of those cultural references. The fact that they're still so like tied to Earth in some manner, like, mm-hmm. and the fact that all of their like all their pop culture references. You can't still be that close to Earth, but then have all these gender and racial dynamics just not exist. Right. It just doesn't work, and that's why the, that's like kind yeah, of like it's like the big it's smushed like together this stuff thing like where it's like, yeah, where it's like we have. It's a it's an annoying whatever it's like gender. Hit the. It's annoying to me that idea that we've hit the point where like, and and it's only non-binary, and then we're gonna get into a thing, whatever, right? But it's like it's only non-binary. We haven't even gotten into like, like, um, like, 
there's only it's like only they them like we're in the future but no one's gotten what are they called like the other pronouns the ones that I can never pronounce oh, like neo pronouns like ne- yeah neo pronouns frequently what's used to round right. them up yeah. yeah so we haven't even like that's not even they them is the only possible Infer- like not inferior but like works that are not trying anywhere close to as hard or dropping neo pronouns into their into right. their fiction so like chill um, Although I did find it kind of funny to call them neo pronouns because some of them are quite old. Yes, oh, yeah, 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 absolutely, absolutely. But it's like you know what I mean. Like none, none of that exists. None of that exists. It's very much a sort of. And also, he, not everybody she, them. Like, like actually, not everybody who doesn't identify as male or female identifies as non-binary. Mm-hmm. Some people don't feel that non-binary uh, fits them. Sometimes I don't feel that non-binary fits me. Sometimes I'm like I don't know, a gender might be a bit more like, like I think, but like. You know, I'm just saying, like... Right. No, the thing... But it's, it's like she, she treats it as though it's now just three genders. Right. Rather than gender's not a binary, it's a spectrum. Were you with this whole There's podcast no without me saying making three genders jokes? Oh, God. What happened? <laughs> oh. This is one of those ones where I'm going to be spending the next few days being like, oh, I meant to talk about that thing that pissed me off. All right, so... We're going to end this podcast. I was going to say, we do eventually have to wind down, though. The three genders. Regular Goza, <laughs> Key Lime Goza, and the third gender, this new Lemon Cucumber Goza, which yes. is fucking slaps. This podcast brought to you by Restbrook uh, Lemon Cucumber Goza. It is lemony, cucumbery, salty, mildly alcoholic. Like, extremely mild. <laughs> a, goza, a Goza over 4% is doing too much. It's, um, it's amazing for summer. I wish they were paying us, but they're not. Right. Um, they're but, local. We can go. Well, not local, local. There's like a four hour and a half, four and a half hour drive. But like, we can just local go for, adjacent. We can you go know. find them. Yeah. Like, hey, we mentioned you on our podcast that has um, no listeners most of the time, and occasionally like two. Right. Please give us money. No one's listening to the, all of this one. Just to get, more to beer? get to get to this part. Yeah, true facts. Anyway, we just cut this part out. Fuck them. Um, <laughs> give us money, and we'll cut this part out of our podcast. Send it. Send an invoice. Oof. Um, just want the Mexican cake one. It's why is it so hard to find? I know, I know, anyway. buddy. So if you have made it to this point, um, we are planning on very shortly doing a um, episode on the first two novels in the Feminine Pursuits series. Yes. Um, which is a series of historical lesbian romances. Correct. Um, women who are in the Scientific fields. Oh. It was scientific, scientific pursuits of astrology uh-huh. and beekeeping. I'm sorry, astrology? Fuck. Do you mean astronomy, my friend? Every time. <laughs> every time. Like, literally every time. Yeah. And if you tell me that someone is a horoscope, I'm like, oh yeah, they're doing their astronomy. Yeah, I know, buddy. I know, yeah. I know. It's rough. So, um, so that. Yep, yep. So and, if, if you do care to, to, to read up on that. Right. It's good shit. Um... I'll listen to the audiobook at work. The Care and Feeding of Waspish Widows is the second one. Yes. The first one is the something. The Ladies Got to Celestial Mechanics. Thank you. Boom. Boom. Got it. All right. We're going to wrap this up. We're going to wrap this up. And there's also going to be probably another episode where we talk about the things we've been reading and not reading. Yes. Uh, since the move. And Various sort of things like, that have been like good. Our thoughts on books. Our thoughts on life. Right. And, and uh, our thoughts on uh, grand designs. So, uh, nothing cute tonight because yeah. we're at an hour and a half. No, so we just gotta stop. Maybe we just gotta stop this shit. 